Rolling Dice and Taking Names is sponsored by The Broken Token, creator of high-quality gaming accessories and storage solutions. Visit them online at thebrokentoken.com. Hey, y'all. It's time for another episode of RDTN. Today, the guys reviewed the games Mari Nostrum, Conflict of Heroes Guadalcanal, and Kingsport Festival The Card Game. They also give details about Marty's 50 hours of gaming. I don't know how they give details, because I'm the one that did it, and they did not ask me. So it probably won't be any good. Welcome to another episode of Rolling Dice and Taking Names. This is episode 113 what have you done? My name is Marty. I'm Tony. And Tony, I must admit, I had to go look this song up. You say it's by a group called Within Temptation. And it was like, as soon as I heard it, I went, oh, I forgot. You're an Evanescence fan. Yes, I am. Because this is like an Evanescence clone band that's like, uh, I think they're a Dutch band. That's fine. I just enjoy the music. And actually, I was looking for something that would mean something based on our game we're going to review. Because somebody messed that game up for us when we were playing. I was like, what have you done? Make sure to reference that later because I'm not exactly sure what what you're talking about because I'll be curious about that. But yes, so uh, this Within Temptation is, uh, you must like symphonic rock. Oh, uh, yeah, I just enjoy it. Yeah, 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 yeah. I don't know why. I just, ever since. No, it's cool. They came to Charlotte and I missed them. Uh, That would have been a good show. The day after, I was like, Wait, they were in Charlotte and I didn't go? Oh, but, but that's okay. That's all right. That's not a problem. I, I think I would have been out of place because... No, no. no because what they came out in the 90s, I think you would have been fine in place. It's not like a lot of young people are listening to Evanescence nowadays. Oh, really? I mean, even though we just crossed half a century mark? <clears throat> Hopefully we to go the whole show without even mentioning that. Oh, we got to mention it because it's been everywhere. Oh, that's true. Yeah, I mean, you had a shindig at the house. Yes, I did. For those who may have missed all the festivities that we were showing on social media, right after my birthday, the, the weekend following, my wife Vanessa did a little... Uh, special event for me. Now, Tony, here's the thing. I told her for weeks and months, I don't want to do anything. Let's just do a family thing on the birthday and that be done with it. And she said, okay. She lied. Yes, she did. And she got a bunch of people in on it. She got on Facebook and it's a good thing I checked it that week. <laughs> yeah, that's to say. Yeah. So she behind the scenes was chatting up all these people for a big event. And here's, here's, here's what just was so crazy. So I thought, all right, nothing's going to be happening. You know, I I got through the birthday. There's nothing special going on. And uh, my older son was coming in town for the weekend. I thought, okay, that's kind of odd. But he hadn't been here since Christmas. So I thought, okay, that's cool. So the Friday uh, of of the event, um, I actually texted all them. They had been wanting to go bowling. Uh And I said, hey, let's go go bowling Saturday morning. What do y'all think? Nobody in my family responded to the text. I thought, that's kind of weird. Yeah. So I come home from work. And sitting in my driveway is Vanessa's brother's car. He's from Augusta, Georgia, which is three hours away. I thought, there's something going on. So oh, I, you clued in. I, Look at you. You're sitting well, out. He didn't like, get there. Well, well so he, he, I walk in, and he's there. And it's like, I look at Vanessa. I say, what is going on? She said, do not freak out. She said, I thought it'd be fun if we just had some family over and play some games. My brother, Bob, loves to play games. He hadn't played with us in a while, so he's just going to hang out and play games. I said, that's it? She said, that is it. Arkham Horror Night, here yeah, you go. Yeah, that's it. That's in fact what we're talking about. I said, look, we're just going to play Mansions of Madness tonight. I went, cool, because actually that day I went and bought the expansion because uh, people were saying it's just a really good expansion. So I, I picked it up. 
And so she said, look, your mom, dad's going to come over and we're just going to kind of hang out and your sister's going to come over. I said, fine. So at, at uh, right before six o'clock, Vanessa said, oh, would you go to the store and get two bags of ice? So, okay, another red flag. Another Why? red flag is Did, why? two bags of ice for my family of six or seven people. It didn't make any sense. Maybe we you're going to be heavy sweet tea drinkers that night. I totally get that. But still, there was something that went off. I said, what is going on? She said, it's nothing. I said, she said, the ice maker is not full all the way downstairs. Go get some ice. Fine. So I go get some ice. So six o'clock, you know, my parents come over, my sister come over, and we're just hanging out, playing uh, some games or something. And then at seven o'clock, seven o'clock, seven o'clock in the basement, people start walking in the door. People from our local gang group start walking into They the, just show up? Yeah, they just show up. You know, it's like this person and then this couple, and it's like, oh. Vanessa's like, oh, I got you. I got, free. I got friends coming over. And I said, okay. She said, here's what's going on, Marty. She said, this is the 50 hours of gaming. This weekend, you're just going to be 50 hours of gaming starting right now. And she told me about this elaborate spreadsheet or something that somebody had set up yes. where people had signed up for times to show up at my house to play games all weekend. Yes. Now, that spreadsheet, though, that was funny that she mentions this elaborate spreadsheet that no one filled out. Only a few of us did. So anyway, so these people are showing up. Now, I've got to ask, because this is kind of, this will lead to my side of the story, but I didn't show up at 7. That didn't clue you in one bit, did it? So I thought it was weird that that you were not here yet. Well, I, well no, I thought it's like, well, you know, uh, maybe him and Donna had something going on. And with the, I thought it was, was something going on all weekend. I thought, well, maybe you're going to come later. All right. Plus, my birthday's the following week. So yes. maybe yeah, so you already had plans, yeah. which I actually already talked to you about. And uh-huh. you said, oh, I ain't, I ain't doing anything this weekend. I don't want to do anything either. Well, I couldn't say what I was doing. I totally get that. So... We're playing a game of code names. There yes. all of us here. We're sitting here playing code names. And I thought, all right, this is kind of cool. And this was 730 or something like that. Vanessa walks over to me and she said, Oh, I want to live stream this as you're doing it. And I thought, what? She said, I just want to get a video and periscope it. I said, that's kind of weird. She said, I want to do it on your Twitter account. She said, I just want to show everybody what's going on. She said, okay. I said, okay, that's kind of cool. It'd be good for the show to get some exposure of what's going on. I haven't periscoped in a while. So I gave her the phone and she starts, you know, saying, Hey, you know, here we are, Marty, we're doing this big thing for the friends and stuff. And then all of a sudden there's a knock at the door of the basement. And who comes walking into that door? It wasn't me. Is Rodney Smith from Watch It Played and his wife. I know. Amazing. I was stunned. It it choked me up because I'm like, I cannot believe here's this guy from Canada that just walked into my house. And he got through all the stuff that's been going on at the airports. Look at him. He made it through. That goes back to you because he had to get from the airport to here. That's right. So Friday morning, your wife texted me and said, what are you doing? And I'm like, well, I'm coming to your house at seven o'clock. And so she's going, well, can I call you? And I go, of course you can call me. I have no problem. I mean, just let me know. She calls me up and she goes, would you mind going to the airport and picking up Rodney? I didn't want to tell you either, but I need someone to go because I really didn't want to send Travis to the airport. And I understand that because Charlotte airport's a fun, fun place to be. And I was like, sure, I'm happy to go pick up Rodney. So I'm texting Rodney saying, I will be your Uber driver. Okay. <laughs> yeah. so, did, did you get five stars? I got better of it. <laughs> okay. Because first off, 
I get to the Charlotte airport and the Charlotte airport is a fun airport because they, the way all airports are that, you know, how everybody lands at one time and everybody's getting picked up at one time and you know, how that works at our airports and Charlotte backs up really bad because of all the construction that's going on. So anyway, I'm like, all right, so Rodney, I'm texting him. Da, da, da. Meanwhile, I am texting your wife and saying the code name I'm going in case you see your phone. I go, <laughs> the geese have landed. <laughs> the geese have landed. Get it? <laughs> Canadian geese. There you go. And, oh, uh, geese. Geese. I say geese. Geese. I get it. Not the geese. The geese have landed. And she's like, oh, okay, good, good, good. And so I'm texting him and I say, Rodney, go to the top because the line to get to the departures was 30 minutes go long. To the, go to the upper right. floor. We have, we have two floors, one for arrival, one for departure. Right. Yeah. yeah. So the departures is empty at this time. I said, you've got to go up top. Meanwhile, I'm sitting there waiting for him to come outside, and the cop comes knocking on my window. Knock, 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 what? knock. Because I was parked. And you can't <laughs> park there. Okay, yeah. So I, I get in, and I'm like, and I text Rodney because I don't want him to wait. I said, Rodney, I got water for you in the car. And of course, you know, he's, oh, that's real considerate, da, da, da. So uh, he comes in, I throw his bags in the back. He gets, hugs me, and his wife comes in the back. And then Rodney, I'm thinking, well, he's going to get in the front. No, he jumps in the back. So, yes, <laughs> I'm an Uber driver. You are the Uber driver. <laughs> I'm like, what the heck? That's weird. I know. What are you doing to me? So, anyway, we get over here. We drive over. I try to show him, you know, the highlights of Charlotte by driving by the city so he could see the skyline and all that. Of course, it was cloudy and you couldn't see anything. But I finally made it to your house, which is a good 45 minutes away. Sure. Anyway, he's out there. Is there a way I can periscope? Is there good lights? I don't want him to see him. I said, Rodney, he's in the basement. You'll be okay. I had to tell him how to do all this. I'm text your wife. The geese are in the neighborhood. You know, and she's like, okay, great. I got to get everything set up. So that's why she wanted to grab my phone at that time because she knew you were already here. Right. Because we were sitting outside waiting because I told her to make sure, you know, she said, make sure you text me when we're here because I want to do all this. So Rodney's out there periscoping, which cuts out on him. Yes. So that was hilarious. But anyway, so he comes in and then of course I play the joke up because I carry all of his luggage in. <laughs> yeah, I was like, and then it's like, well, where's Tony and all this? And here comes Tony carrying their luggage into uh, the, the room that they're going to be staying in. So it was a big time. I'm, that was very nice of him to come down. And, oh, man, it was just amazing. Yeah. I'm, glad, I'm glad they had great weather and none of the flights got screwed up. You, you mentioned that video that uh, got messed up. So uh, if you actually go and look out at uh, Rodney's channel where he does his, like, uh, does, like, these weekly updates, news updates, uh, I cannot remember the episode of it. It's called like podcast slash story. He released that uh, today as we were recording this. And he took the video that Vanessa did and the one he did and merged them together. So you get to see the part that's cut out. And he actually shows it in that. And unfortunately, it shows me getting kind of choked up. Because again, I was just stunned that Vanessa pulled all this off. And then began a whole weekend of gaming. And it was crazy. We had, Vanessa went out and bought an extra table. And so we had these one, what? So I'm looking around here. Three tables. Each can hold eight to ten people. We had ten to fifteen people in the house the whole time, just gaming. And we, well, we didn't stay up all night. People would like leave and then come back the next morning. But it was well. Wild. We knew you needed your rest. You're at that age where you have to get some rest. Thanks. Yeah. Well, I'm the same way. I was like, you know, and that's funny because Christy in the car says, we're not gaming for 50 hours straight, are we? I'm like, no. That's also what scared me too. When Vanessa said 50 hours of gaming, I started thinking. 
I hope she's really not thinking like 50 hours later because she's talking about the spreadsheet. I said, what, am I supposed to stay up the 50 hours or people are just going to keep cycling in until the 50 hours are up? But no, it was, it was, we take a break and then we pick up the next morning and uh, we do that. So while Rodney was here, I tried to show him a quick tour uh, of uh, the, the towns and everything. I took him down to this little country breakfast place on Saturday morning. It's this little place in this little town near us called Monroe. And they got grits and biscuits, and they tried liver mush. Uh, they were just they were just going hog wild with the with the southern food. What was really funny was uh, Christy ordered some tea. She said that morning she said, "Yeah, I'd like some tea." And the she and the waitress said, uh, "You know, uh, sweet or unsweet." She said, Christy said, "Oh, uh, unsweet." And so here in the South, if everybody doesn't know, when you order tea, it's going to be sweet iced tea. So the waitress brings the tea, and I could tell by the look on her face, she's like, I'm not sure what's going on. I knew what she was thinking. I said, Christy, did you want hot tea? She went, yeah. <laughs> like, what else would you get on an early morning, winter morning besides hot tea? And she said, uh, yeah, so I wanted really hot tea. So I said, okay, we switch it out. And so it's one of those little cultural things. Didn't have to realize that you had, had to ask for hot tea here because it's assumed that. What else do we get them to try? Barbecue, okay. Hush puppies, amazing. Never had hush puppies. Oh my heaven! Well, I never even knew what it was. Wow! Uh, for the people who don't know what hush puppies are, basically it's like cor- fried cornbread. It's fried cornbread. It's fried cornbread. You just would take a, a cornmeal cornbread type thing and dump it to a fryer, like we do everything in the south. That's right. And it comes out Snickers like a, a bars, bar. Twinkies. Yeah, 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 exactly. So we fed them well, had a great time. But holy cow, do we get to play a lot of cool games? Yes. Well, most everybody did. I mean, I did. I got to play. Terra Mystico, your favorite, because everybody, everybody's like, well, what's he going to want to play? What's he going to Guys, Terra Mystico is Marty's favorite game. Let's play Terra and Mystico. I'm, and I'm glad y'all did, except for the fact that Rodney really whipped our butts in that game. You know, it's amazing just how hard that game is to pick right back up in. Even though we've played it multiple times, yeah. it's once again, you really got to chug your mind back into it and say, okay, I got to do this. I got to do this. Great game. Side note, Squirrel, Terra Mystica. The planets, or whatever it's going to be called. <laughs> the, the plan- I think I'm just calling it the planets, the it universe. Gaia, Gaia, G-A-I-A. So they just announced, oh. Asmodee announced, they're going to do Terra Mystica from the same designers in space. And from what I gather, number one, it's going to be modular board, which everybody's really excited about because the problem with the regular Terra Mystica board, it doesn't expand well to number of players. You play two players on that, you could be on opposite side of the boards and never see each other. With this game, it's going to be uh, modular so you can put the map together and expand depending on the number of players. But they're also going to have, instead of the cult track, from what we can tell, it looks like it's going to be a tech tree where you can get additional abilities over a, a tech tree. So when I first saw sci-fi Terra Mystica, I immediately thought of you. I thought, okay, oh, yeah. here's a version of Terra Mystica that Tony may really get into. Oh, yeah. Either that or you go Western. You go right. Western on either one. But yeah, but still, the modular board is what caught my eye. I was like, oh, that is wild. There's, that just adds tons of replayability. It'll be interesting to see how they work the powers yes. and moving it from the... That, that, to me, is always the hardest thing to get in your mind on Terra Mystica. How are you going to manipulate those powers? You know, Right. Well, the thing, the hardest thing with Terra Mystica is if you don't play a lot and then you play a faction you never played before, yes. you're relearning because... That's one thing I like about that game is because the game will change with every faction that you play with because everybody's just a little bit different. Yeah, and I played a faction I'd never played before. didn't know the Wizards, how that was going to work. It showed because I was almost lapped, but that's okay. <laughs> that's all right. But yeah, so we, we got to play that. Oh, you brought Thunder Road? Oh, yeah. Thunder Road. 
Got to play a little Thunder Road. Everybody loves that. And of course, we started off the birthday party with Strike. Strike. Yeah, of course, we had to get that in. It was, I guess, a, st- a tradition. Your sister loved it. Oh, my sister kicked butt. My sister's not really an, a, a big gamer by any means. She's played little games here and there, but it's uh, mainly it's the ones I bring to her. And uh, so she played Strike. And then we sat down and played Game of Thrones, the Iron Throne, which is the new... <laughs> Ironically enough, Game of Thrones themed games, that's, that's great, Marty, that's based on Cosmic Encounter. Mm-hmm. So it f- feels like Cosmic Encounter as far as the, the mechanisms and the way the game works, but it's all Game of Thrones based. So each of you are playing as one of the families, Starks, Lannisters, etc. And the idea is that it's the same thing. You flip over a card, it tells you who to attack, you ask people to come help, and uh, you can get people to help defend or help attack or whatever. And you're trying to uh, uh, gain some crowns. Instead of little ships, you have little crowns that are going around. This game is really, really good. I like it way better than Cosmic Encounter because Cosmic Encounter expansions have gotten so crazy that there's some really overpowered factions. Mm -hmm. This is way more balanced. And there's just been streamlined a little bit to where there's not a lot of moving your uh, ships around to different people to help them and stuff. You can just say, I'm going to help you and and here's three crowns to help you, et cetera. Just more streamlined. If you like Cosmic Encounter, I highly recommend this. But the reason why I brought it up is because my sister dominated. She, I, thought, I thought, oh, she's not going to like this because there's a lot of player interaction, some backstabbing. Nope, she went in there and kicked butt. No, I didn't get to play it, but it did look – I liked when y'all were telling me about it. I did like how they were doing the theme. I guess that's what drug me in. I said, I can see how this really works where the houses help one another. So, yeah, you said, oh, it's much better than Cosmic. When we first got Cosmic, I enjoyed playing it, but I haven't played it in years. Mm-hmm. And maybe because I kind of got tired of the fact of, all right, you get to that stalemate. You're like, oh, I'm at the four. Well, who's going to win this thing? Well, I'm at the point where, here, I'm going to king make you right now because I am freaking tired of playing this <laughs> game. <laughs> right, right. You know? And therefore, it seemed like now in, in the Game of Thrones here, did it, could a winner be quickly made without any king making? It was different. You know, on, on that, when you're actually, you can uh, move up this the, the victory point track on the Cosmic Encounter. This one is you have, I think, I can't remember the exact term. I only played this once. It's like influence tokens or something. And when you beat somebody, you actually move your tokens onto some other uh, place. Once all your tokens are out, you win the game. Oh, okay. So it's it's just a tad different, the, the scoring mechanism. And so what happens is, is there's only one left. You're not going to ask that person to help you because you don't want them to get rid of their last, last token. But everybody who played the game, and there were six of us that played, all of us said, better than Cosmic. Okay. That's good to know. Now, I, I was about the only... I, we've already talked about the games I played. What else did you get to play on your big birthday, on your 50 Shades of Gaming, which I thought she said gray, and she was talking about our hair, but that's beside the point. <laughs> well, I'm just going to mention some games I hadn't played before. Finally got to sit down and play Junk Art. And? That was good. You enjoyed that, didn't you? I did not think I would like that game at all, but that was really, really good. What was so cool, it's all about stacking stuff, right? But what's unique is, is the game changes every time where there's, uh, at the beginning of the game, you draw three cards and it says, we're going to play three rounds, and these are the cards that dictate what the rules are. And it could be like, on your turn, you're going to draw four pieces, like you're going to take cards and you're going to pass the card to the person to your left. So you can give them bad pieces you have to stack. But after it's like three or four plays everybody shifts one seat to the left okay so you don't want to yeah. give them really really bad stuff because you're going to be getting that you don't get it you're going to get that later on and then there's other ones that we did it was just simply who has the highest okay. will get points but you go through the entire round and then there's you get points based on how well you did that round the person the most points ends wins i just thought it was really cool that all the little mini games 
that's involved in that game where you're basically playing three little mini games involved with those shapes. I actually thought I might want to buy it. Even though it's a dexterity game? <sighs> yeah. But I don't know. There was some, there was really some kind of well, cool. It's metal challenging to you. How yeah, can you make it's that? It's engineering. You're right. Yeah. It's a lot of engineering. It's trying to get the things to fit on there right. And you're trying to think. You're trying to think physics. It's like, well, I don't want this too top heavy, so I want to make sure the weight's toward the bottom. Yeah. I mean, do a lot of balancing and stuff. So, Junk Arts was one I got to play that I, I really enjoyed. Now, and I hate you missed this game. We played the Clank expansion. Oh, that's all right. Uh, you'll get to play it. Of I think course. we need to play it. We need to review it because. It's really cool. They've added a new board. You go underwater. Oh, cool. Here's the new mechanic. Sure, they've added a lot of new cards and they've added the board, but here's the mechanic. Some of the spaces on the board, you're underwater. You can't stay underwater unless you, you have breathe. a scuba diving kit. Well, of course. If not, at the, if you stay underwater, you're going to take a damage each turn. Okay. All the really good artifacts are underwater. So you either got to go buy a scuba gear so you can go underwater, or you got to make sure that you can go underwater and get out real quick. Now the dragon's still coming at you? There's still a dragon. That The clank mechanic, everything works the exact same way. But adding the new map and the water, if you like clank, I really think you should go check that game out, the expansion. Before we move past too far past Junker, I want to mention just two people that came. Jake and Danielle from Draft Mechanic brought you junk art, didn't they? Yes, uh, brought to play. Didn't brought bring to play. It to, yes, yeah, they, yes. They bring, they, there were no presents here. Yeah, you, you're uh, an old man. You don't need more presents. Yeah, if you guys haven't uh, listened to uh, Draft Mechanic, it's a podcast. They talk about uh, kind of what it sounds, board games and draft beer. They That's really it. know their draft. But they're from Charlotte. Right. And we've run into them a few times at the local game store, and Vanessa got a hold of them, and they came down. So that was a lot of fun, them coming down. Yes. Because, because when you said junk art, I remember that Jake brought it to you, but he let me finally get to play Santorini. What did you think of that? It's a game. <laughs> Well, everybody else goes crazy about that game, and I get from you, it's a game. Okay, so I've played it. I've actually, this is one of these games where, you know, I do the gut feel check, and I'm like, yeah, yeah. I've played it many times now, many times. I'm not saying I'm great at it, but I've won all the times. I'm, because, well, I don't know why. I've just gotten lucky, but I would find chess more strategic. Everybody's going to go, oh my God, oh. there's another one for the, um, you just, what was that award uh, called? What's the award we just gave? Uh, there's, we missed we, something. We, 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 missed, we, something we must have missed something. I, and I've played with multiple gods, different gods. Mm -hmm. One of them was really cool where if he moves next to your guy, you kill him. That was a really neat god. I forget which one that was. It's neat. It, yes, it's really cool building the town. It's really nice seeing all that. But all in all, I'm just like, you know, this is an Another abstract game. I've got one of these sitting at the house that I could, it's got just nothing but little balls that you stack. How's this different, you know? So, yeah. You got another great. abstract game that's like that? Well, I mean, you're building up and whoever ends up on top is oh, the I winner. Oh, I see. I mean, and that's Sandrine. Whoever is on top wins. I think a lot of the appeal of that game is number one, the look, the production value, look, it just looks really cool, right? Right. And it's, and it's easy to learn. I think that's the big appeal. Now, here's the thing I played an online version, I played on Tabletopia. Yeah. And I thought it was pretty good and I could see that if you play in the physical version you may like it more but I, I like I told you I thought well it's a, it's a good little two-player abstract game yeah it is to be honest with you if that was sitting here beside the duke I'd rather play the duke with you any day I'd play the duke I'd play seven wonders duel you know mm. I'd play uh some card two-player card games that I have nothing against the game if you've got kids you know 12 and that range Great game. Mm -hmm. Great game. It'd be an awesome game for, for, I think, in that range. But for you and I, you're absolutely right. Go get the Duke. Let's play the Duke. <laughs> yeah, I tend to agree. And before we get uh, too far from the party, before I forget this one, a couple episodes ago, uh, when the wives were on, we got to play Castles of Burgundy, the card game. Well, our wives at this 50 Hours of Gaming got to play Castles of Burgundy, 
the board game, the With full Christy. game. Christy was there. Yes, that's right. And thank you to, I believe it was Rodney. Uh, not Rodney not Smith. Rodney Smith, but we have another one of our local friends here named Rodney who taught the game. So I thank you, Rodney, for teaching the game to Christy, Donna, and Vanessa. So what did Donna think of the full game? Give her the card game. Really? Yes, she did not like it. First off, she didn't like all the small little mechanics to it and all that. She just felt, I mean, she didn't hate it, but she said, if you were to put down either one, she goes, I definitely like the card game more wow. because she's, you know, rolling the dice. So what? I'm picking this, picking that. And and she said, maybe, you know, a couple more plays. But she says, no, I, I like the cards. I, it just made more sense to me. And that was interesting because we, we actually had them on the show and we talked about it. I said, we can't wait to see your thoughts about which one you're going to like better. Vanessa liked the board game also, but she wasn't like, oh, my gosh, I need to play this again. She was very much, yeah, I'll, I'll for sure play that again. But I could tell it wasn't like. I can't wait to play that again sort of thing. It's not one of her big felds. No, I think she has liked other felds better. Yeah. So I know I was real pleased that she got to play that. But I mean, you and I played Terra Mystica and then we finished that up and we were waiting and they started castles well before we did. And it took them way after us. And that's the other thing Donna didn't like. She goes, I know it's longer because we were learning, but she said, man, it drug on and on. I was surprised it took that long. And she, they kept apologizing to Rodney. They were like, you're having to teach us three and we're sorry, but still. So we got their review out of that. Donna said she'll try it again with me, Mm -hmm. but she really liked the card game more. Yeah. Do you have a copy of the board game? Yeah. Yeah. So do I. Yeah, I got the card game and the board game. I said, which one do I need to sell? Uh, speaking of card game, play San Juan. Oh. Dude, you got to play. I know. You know, we talked about Castlesburg in a card game. I really like San Juan. It is just enough of a feel of Puerto Rico without it feeling like an, a direct copy. Really enjoyed that. It's been on my shelves for a year and a half, and I've yet to play <laughs> so it. I've opened it. It's the same sort of mechanic, you know, where somebody picks a role and then other people can, yeah. can follow. But, um, and again, you're trying to, to, to build things up and you're trying to build your indigo fields and get resources what's cool is the cards do multiple things cards are not only buildings that you put in play but when they're face down they're actual resources that you use so it, it's kind of like a castles of burgundy the card game you remember there's 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 two sides there's the dice side of the card and then there's what the card actually is and it has multiple purposes kind of the same way with here cards are buildings cards are resources it's just where they're face up face down and how they're used and i really want to play that so i'm glad you learned it so you can teach it to me oh yeah and i think we need to get our two buddies that really like puerto rico over have them over and then teach them San Juan and see what they think of that. Anything else from your birthday? Because I know we've gone on about the birthday. Everybody's like, well, you didn't invite us. Well, you know, if you were in, you would have been invited. You could have been in the <laughs> Facebook group. You could have come on. You could have been in the spreadsheet. Though I did, just so you know, another thing, I did sign up on the on the um, spreadsheet. I was the 1 to 6 a.m. guy, and, <laughs> and uh, it was a joke. But yeah. I was, I'm like, I'll be there, Vanessa. No. My friends came over the following weekend, so I don't want to transition to that until we're done with your big self. Well, just let me say, well, it's also kind of yours too. Yeah. Vanessa kind of did it for both of us, which was re- really, really nice. I know, but it was, I mean, anyway, yeah. I want to thank all my friends who came over and supported me. They came over multiple times. You know, our house is not necessarily the closest because we're out kind of out in the country. So some of them came over three times, you know, three days. A big thank you for Rodney, for him and his wife, you know, taking time and money to come down and, and see me. That really meant a lot to me. But the biggest thanks goes to Vanessa for planning all this and pulling this off. It's one of the most amazing events I've ever had. And every weekend since then, I wish I could go back and relive it. It was such a perfect weekend. Then this way we could get more games reviewed. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I was like, I, I, I swore I made sure to write everything down that we play because uh, that we can talk about. And I, and I probably missed some of the ones. I definitely wanted to hit on the ones that I had not played. I will that say really this. impressed me. Yes. 
Donna will never play Geek Out again. She wasn't a fan, huh? Not a fan because it hasn't. She has no memory for that kind of garbage. So Geek Out is a uh, like a little trivia game. Yeah, <laughs> but it's really geeky stuff. A lot of uh, video games and comic book questions. And it was us, all the adults, against my three boys. <laughs> I think we won. Though. We won. We won, but it was hilarious. But but it was like six people against those three, and those guys know their geeky stuff. Yeah, they do. So they don't fall far from the tree. I will say that. <laughs> and then, of course, we got to play the online app for Times Up or Monikers or whatever you want to call it. Everybody was like, oh, my gosh, can this game ever end? Uh, yeah. The, the online app version, you couldn't modify it. It was just, it was just not a good experience. We, number, we one, number one, it was the, uh, the people. Yeah. And a lot of the people, people didn't know. It's a hard one to play if you don't know who these famous people are. Right. Uh, the titles would have been much and better. And you couldn't throw out people. But I think that is something for between the two of us. If we ever see a copy of either Monica or Time's Up, we need to grab it just to put it in our party game uh, collection so so you had said you had a weekend where just they came over for a little bit i fixed them dinner and all that but just want to touch on railways of the world yes we finally got to yes! play finally jamie's gonna be excited because he's like when are you guys gonna play this well jamie I, meaning jamie from the secret cabal right the secret cabal gaming podcast time out squirrel because <laughs> this is kind of funny on our squirrely awards yes. When you were mimicking him, he, he was kind of like live chatting me as he was listening. Oh, no. And he was oh, like, no. is Tony having a stroke? I said, what are you talking about? And he went, oh, wait, he's trying to mimic me. It's <laughs> like. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Well, he jumps in. If you don't do it right, he's going to send you a dub tape of it so that you do it right. So anyway, yeah, no, Railways of the World. Donna loved it. Everybody at the table Loved it. Now, one guy didn't get it. Then why did you bring it back to me tonight? I said, here, keep this. We're done. No, no, no. That was, no, no. Railways of the World's the big one. The one I brought you was the little train one, the Northwest. Oh, Railways of the North. Railways of the, the yeah, the small little economic game. No, Railways of the is the big, huge map one by I'm by sorry, I misunderstood. So that one went over yeah, well. That's the, that's, yeah, that's yeah. I bought that a year ago mm-hmm. and finally got it to the table. Donna it really enjoyed it. Everybody enjoyed it. I loved it because I won. We had a one-little misrule issue but hey that's pretty good game is so simple to play i was so scared that i was going to get these guys who who forget the rules to pandemic or anything like that from time to time that they would not grasp it but everybody was like oh we got this we understand that you're moving a cube from here to here and this is why you got to do it they got the concept they're they're like we're going to play this again i was like six player wow it moved quick really how long a six player game take um it was two hours a six player game taking two hours that's really good. We didn't take that long to play. Is there a lot of downtime? No, no, no. The only downtime was when I had to look up certain rules because there were some questions. But other than that, no. But uh, can you do things on other people's turns? You got to wait for them. You, you got to wait. But if you're if you're not waiting, if you're sitting there and waiting, you're not thinking. You need to be Understand. thinking. So you can plan ahead somewhat? Okay. Anyway, we're sitting there. It's at the end of the game. Donald was amazed at how quickly she caught up to me. Everybody, I mean, there were four of us out of the six. Four of us were neck and neck right there. And Donna's like, ooh, if I get to move this cube, I'm going to catch him. And she saw it. She knew it. And so the one lady was sitting there. She goes, I don't have anything I can do on my turn. And I go, well, next thing I know, I get a slap. (laughs) Because she knows I saw it. She slapped the pee out of me. She goes, shut up. I went, yes, (laughs) ma'am. It's my birthday party, but I understand where this is going here. And then the other gentleman in the room who saw it as well suddenly goes, oh, you can move this black cube. And she goes, no, she went ballistic because it cost her the game. 
And that gets to a point where I recently, I was forget which podcast I was listening to, where they talk about how do you feel about you know showing people along with the game. Near the end of the game, do you help people or not? I think it was on the Dukes of Dice I was listening to where he talked about do you help people understand that at the end? You mean almost like an like an anti kingmaker where you see a chance where somebody's going to win and you just jump. Well, he in? didn't even see that. He just said, oh. "I'm going to help you figure out what to do." Oh, now. okay, okay. I don't see what's wrong with that. I mean, but you just cost someone else the game. Well, again, did he realize he was going to be doing that? No, I mean, but if he was doing it out of spite. Yeah, but but you're so far along in the game. Everybody knows the rules. Everybody can see the mechanics. Yeah. At the end of the game, do you help someone? And that's for a future show for us to discuss. I think. Yeah. I I think it would depend on the group. I think our regular board game group, like with the regular, we wouldn't. Oh no, we cut that. each other up. But but with family and and people who are learning the game, you might. Yeah, <laughs> that's yeah. funny. With family and friends, we would help. With the people we play board games with, we wouldn't because they're not family and friends. No, they're not. We're going to cut them out. <laughs> they're done with. So we got to play that. And then, of, of course, we got to do another beta testing of Stop Thief, which I'll talk about later because we need to get to some reviews. Uh, yes, we do. And I'm really excited about this episode. Tony and I have this spreadsheet of, of episodes that we want to do. And one of them was an episode that's kind of fo- focused on more historical games. And we had Academy Games send us a couple of their historical games that we've had for a while, and we finally found the window to get these games to the table and reviewed, and that's what we're going to be doing this episode. And And I'm excited about both of these and can't wait to, to talk about them because if you guys haven't played them, you, you really should. Yes. I've, oh, I cannot wait to talk about the the one game. The one game. The one game that this show is named after. So let's get to it. Portal Games, probably by the time you hear this, they've closed out First Martian. All that is coming around the corner. But don't fret, Ignacy's got other things for you. That's right. You've got a Narashima Hex expansion that's coming out. Don't forget, if you haven't picked up Stronghold 2nd Edition, he's got an expansion for that coming as well. Oh my heavens. And it's getting ready to hit Imperial Settlers. Aztec expansion. Oh, Marty and I got to play that last year, and that was so neat with the prayers and everything. That will get it back on the table for you, so be sure to check it out. This may just be the year of expansions. Cry Havoc. Maybe another one for Robinson, because he's got to get the Beagle. Plus, he's gotten a kit that can convert your Robinson Crusoe first edition to the second edition. Be sure to check it out at portalgames.pl. Tony, there's always been a sort of game I've always wanted to try and play with you, and that's a war game. You know those games that when we go to conventions and they got this big map, and they had the little square chits with the little units on them with all the numbers and everything? I've never got a chance to play one of those. And when Academy Games said, hey, would you like to try out Conflict of Heroes Guadalcanal? We was like, yes, because that'll finally give me a chance to play one of these real war games. Yeah, I mean, I got introduced to the Avalon Hill back when I was a young chap, which was many, 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 many moons ago. And I had Panzer Leader. And I was so excited, I broke it out. I didn't understand a thing that was going on in that game because I was way too young for that. But you're right. I was so excited to see that we had this opportunity because I also have Gettysburg sitting in the closet that I want to try out with you as well. Conflict of Heroes, Guadalcanal. Oh, you're trying to take on the Japanese against the Americans. Mm-hmm. Very, very fun. We had a blast. Uh, yeah, yeah, we did. But what's so amazing about this series of games, and this is, you know, this is their second or third in the series of Conflict of Heroes. I know they had uh, Storms of Steel, a couple that took place over on the Eastern Front over in Europe. And this is their first uh, look at the Pacific 
uh, rim against the uh, the Japanese and everything. So we got a chance to, to, to play it. They read in the rules is a little more streamlined. They had changed some things from the original Conflict of Heroes, but I was just surprised at how easy it was to learn. Now, immediately to me, as I was reading the rules, it was very reminiscent of miniature games that we've played, right. such as War Machine and stuff. Every unit has their own little stats. Mm-hmm. You have to understand how to record, read their stats, how does combat work, and beyond that, it's a 100% tactical game. That's it. You got to get position. You got to move. You got to be able to figure out what's the best way to combine your troops to get this movement to achieve your objective. When we were playing this, it was about the victory points. In the scenarios, there's a scenario book that is so cool from the actual history of it. So each of the scenarios you do are actually called firefights. And this book is almost like a history book in itself. The first several pages goes through what was going on in the U.S. and in the world in that time? Why were we at the Guadalcanal? What was going on? What was important about the the, the fights uh, that were going on there? They go over the history of the leaders and the generals and the commanders of each side of the army that was involved in those conflicts, and it gives you all this detailed information before you ever get to the page and tell you how to set it to play the first firefight. That's so neat. That brings you into the theme of the game. Now, I'll admit, when I first saw the rule book, I was like, oh, this is going to be very hard to understand. So I watched some videos. And all the videos I watched, Marty, they just went over how to read the chits and then said, you go out, you spend action points, you move them, and you attack one another, you roll and dice, you add your modifiers, life is good. <laughs> I'm like, it can't be that simple. But to be honest with you, other than the terrain, it was. Yeah. It really was. I totally agree. One thing I loved about this is very fluid back and forth. The firefights tell you how to set up the map. You have that. There's multiple boards in here for setting up different maps. They tell you what troops that you can use and where these troops are deployed. At that point, they give you objectives like you have to take over these control points or you have to wipe out this particular army. It tells you what you need to do and and how you can earn victory points on each side based on uh, different actions. The back and forth thing and what I thought was so cool is when you activate a unit, you have seven action points that you can spend on that unit. And you could spend action points on your turn to move. You could spend to attack. You could uh, play cards on your turn. That's another thing I liked about this game. Mm-hmm. You had hidden cards in your hand that could affect dice rolls, give you bonuses, boost, etc. So it wasn't like... Uh, everything was out there in front where your enemy knew what you was uh, what you're going to be facing because you had those cards in hand, which could effectively change the game. Now, one neat thing I liked about it from the miniature side, you mentioned the miniatures, is that when we were moving the little um, chits around, our troops, our infantry around on the board, it was the fact that, you're right, it was back and forth. But in the miniatures game, you move all your troops. And you're like, boom, you're done. Here, it was, okay, I'm going to move this guy one. What are you going to do? Yeah. It's a chess match. Yeah. No, I really like that because like you would move into position. I was like, which unit is he going to go for? Do I need to try to take cover? This this has terrain aspects where I could go hide in the woods and try to make it harder for me to hit. Or um, they have elevations where you can have, you know, you can get up on a hill and make it easier to hit other people. There's so many things that they cover in this game. Uh, with the aspect of tactical things, uh, 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 how movement's handled in water. I think line of sight and terrain is the biggest difference oh, on, yeah. on how how things are affected as you play the game. To be able to group move or stack your units, 
Another thing, the damage of it. When your unit gets attacked yeah. and they take the damage and you have to pull that little chit to put under that impacts it. Like my enemy units where my unit got pinned one time where he couldn't move or better yet, he was cowering or whatever that was. That was neat because you didn't know how you hurt me. Right, right. And, and the whole damage thing is actually really cool. When you do a combat, basically you, you roll 2d6, you add your attack, you compare to the defense. Mm-hmm. greater than or equal to. They pull one of those injury or hit tokens and put it underneath their other token. Like you said, the other person don't know what it is. But that token can do a lot of different things. And I, even on the token, it tells you, all this stuff is so easy to read. Oh, easy. It, it would easy. tell you, it's like, here's the uh, stats that are affected for you. Like, I had one that was, I was pinned. It removed my ability to move. Right. And what it did is it, it crossed out a part of the chit that, that mimics where the movement is on my a chit above it to say, by the way, you can't move on, on your next turn. You get two hits, the unit's gone. Right. You know, there is a way that you can get rid of that injury. You rally them. That's you, right. Get them, get them up. Get them up. Come on, boys. Get on your feet. Let's go. Let's go. And you roll the dice, and it tells you what you're going to have to rally to, and you and you roll your dice, and if you're greater than that or equal to it, then you may remove that damage, and that becomes very strategic, which I forgot to do, and you decimated <laughs> my team. But that's okay. I'm well, good with that. But a lot of this is, because it is so tactical, it's one of the things you probably need to play multiple turns to learn how all the units do. And there are a bunch of different units, Tony. There's foot soldiers, and there's air airplanes and there's tanks and there's land vehicles and there's guns and oh my gosh a lot of different uh, authentic equipment in this game now with any of those units or artillery or vehicles you have the option on the turn to activate it and when you do you have seven action points that you can spend and you spend a portion of it say uh, on your chit it says it costs one to move so you can pay one action point and take a movement then it goes over to the other player It may come back to you and you say, okay, now I'm going to attack. And there's a cost of attack that's written on the chit. And then you'll do that. And you continue until you've used up all the action points and then it's considered spent. Now, if at any time you'd activate another unit, the unit that was already activated automatically gets marked to spent. So you can only have one active unit at a time. But what's really cool is, let's say, Tony, you decide to make a move that I was not expecting. And I really would like to activate another unit that's uh, on the board in order to, to take an opportunity action. And that's exactly what it's called. It's called an opportunity action. I can pause the unit that's currently active activate this other unit, I have seven points to spend and do something with it. And after I'm done, it's spent. And then I could come back to the one that was previously active. I really, really like that mechanic. That's kind of cool right there. Also, you on your turn, you can play a card, as we talked about the cards before, and you can pass. Now, here's the interesting thing. If you pass, then the unit that is active is immediately spent. Well, how about if you want to like stall? And but you still want to keep that unit active. Well, there's a stall option. You can pay one action point from that unit and stall and say, okay, I'm just going to stall. You go your next turn. Then you can see what they're going to do. Then it comes back. You continue spending points. Now, another thing you could do on your turn is you can spend command action points. You're given a pool of action points at the beginning of every round that can be used over the course of the round. One of the simplest things you can do is after you roll dice, If they weren't in your favor, you could spend a command action point to increment the value of that die if you wanted to. And you could do that with up to two dice. That could be used in battle. That can be used in terming initiative at the beginning of the round. You can also use those to pay for cost of a a unit. Say, for example, I have... It costs three action points in order to attack, and this unit only has two left. I can use one of my command action points from the pool to help pay for that cost. 
You can also uh, do things like if a guy's already been spent, you can use command action points to do one action with it. So that's another pool of points that you can use to spend during your turn. Now, for the U.S., the command points start at a certain level. But as you lose troops, it reduces your command points. But for the Japanese troops, Bushido kicks in. And if it's positive, your command points increase. Another really cool aspect of the two different factions that are playing here. If you guys really want to try a type of war game where you're pushing the chits around and trying to be strategic and all, uh, yeah, Conflict of Heroes, Guadalcanal. Take a take a good look at this yeah, one. Yeah, one thing that scared me is when I first opened this rule it's book. It's heavy, but... Well, here's the thing is, when I first looked at this rule book, this is a 22-page rule book, double columns of text on each side, and I went, oh my gosh, this is going to be a bear. Tony, this is one of the best rule books I have read recently. It is so well laid out. It takes you from step one, step two, tells you it adds on little things on here's how you move, here's how you fire. And in each section, there's examples. In red text, it gives you examples of what they just taught you. In blue text, they give you the designer's notes on why it's like that. The best thing about this is as you're reading this rule book, say stop. Go play Firefight 1. You now know enough. That's cool. And then you come back and you read another page. It says, stop. Go play Firefight 2 because we've added some more. Now we've added vehicles. Now we've added terrain. Now we've added elevation. By the end of the rule book, it says, okay, you can play any firefight you want. I love this rule book. I cannot believe how something as complicated as this war game could be was made with this simple rule book. Now, my final thoughts on this game. First, two to four players. A lot of these games are just two players only. But could you imagine four people playing this, splitting up the terms, trying to do the strategy around that? I really like it. I can't. I hope we get to play this with another two people. I think that will be a blast. Now, is this a game that I would put on my shelves? If I had a constant play group or if something that, you know, I could find someone who enjoys the military games, yes, this would be one I would definitely be putting on my shelves because I enjoy these. I mean, I've bought uh, Rommel from GMT. I just recently got, um, of course, Silent Hunters. Then I've picked up some DVG games and I'm looking at some other games. So, yes, Academy Games for me, Conflict of Heroes, Guadalcanal. And if they were to release a Conflict of Heroes. I like this system this much. If they were ever to do battleships, midway, that kind of, oh, I'd be all over it. Now, I will say one thing uh, about this. A lot of people aren't crazy about games that play about war because a lot of people see it's a glorification of war. This is an historical game. And, and some people like, you know, I'm not really interested in war. I think the designers actually took this in the case too. And I'm going to end uh, with this. He actually talked about that. The designer is Uwe Eckert. But the uh, person who wrote about this is his son, which is Gunter. And uh, he wrote this paragraph, and I think this is really good. I want to read this. War is a terrible thing, and a lot of hatred and racism stems from it. We have been very mindful of this throughout the development of Conflict of Heroes and strongly believe it is important not to forget these ugly points in history in order to prevent them from repeating. We strive to portray a neutral perspective without perpetuating the hatred of the conflict. It is important to recognize the sacrifice these men made, no matter which nation they fought for, and to respect those that treated their enemies humanely, even as they fought to kill each other. So the designers 
this book realized war is not a pretty thing, but they wanted to make this as accurate as possible. Tony, for me, Memoir 44 was the game I'd want to bring out and play a war game with. They had the cute little miniatures and everything, but there's an extra depth of complexity in here that doesn't, that's not too much that will now say, you know, if I want to play a war game, it's going to be Conflict of Heroes. If you have any interest in this, go check this out. There's this one that's in the Pacific. There's one in the Eastern Front. So go check it out. Conflict of Heroes from Academy Games. Five-minute initiative begins in three, two, one. All right, we also got to play another card game that is a port down from the bigger game. Kingsport Festival, the card game versus Kingsport Festival by Passport Games. Now, Marty, I'm, let me just start off by saying the rule book was almost a hot mess. The rule book is a hot mess. Okay, fine. It's a hot mess, but... In all fairness, it's not that hard to play. You are rolling dice to acquire cards to put into your hand. You are a cultist. You are trying to get the gods out so that you can get the most victory points at the end of the game. You roll dice. You match up the symbols on cards that you would like to buy. You put them in your hand, though it's not a deck builder. There you go. That's really all it is to this game. <laughs> I'm sorry. That's all it is. Oh, and their sanity. Of course, their sanity because it's a Lovecraft game. And your sanity can help you manipulate things because you have to spend sanity to help you manipulate the dice. That's it. You're manipulating dice to buy cards. What did I miss? What the game's about? The game's about buying gods <laughs> so that you can get the most victory points. So in the center of the table, you have all these gods laid out that can be bought. And at the beginning of your turn, you're going to roll this die, which has one of um, uh, three symbols on it. And the goal is, is try to get as many dice in your pool as you can in order to buy more powerful gods. It's, it's a power level thing. So you start out with one die and there's some gods that you can spend for one die and get. You may pick up a god that says, okay, spend one of your sanity in order to maybe gain an extra die or gain an extra icon that you can spend. And then it just builds up over time. I did like how sanity is a resource in this game. Typically in these games, when you get to zero sanity, like the game's over. No, sanity is just a resource that you have. And there's different mechanisms for that uh, sanity to increase, decrease. Typically it's decreasing on your turn because you're activating cards. So from your hand, it'll say, okay, I can spend two sanity in order to roll another die. Spend a sanity in order to roll this die. And at the end, once you have all your die in place, then you go out and try to buy a card. Those cards have victory points on them. And like you said, at the, after nine rounds, everybody shows their cards. The person with the most victory points wins. There is an investigator that's trying to stop you, though. Yes, he's raiding you. And he's coming after you. And if you do not have enough gun symbols after you've played your cards at the end of that raid, then you're going to take hits in sanity. Mm -hmm. I will say this. I, I did want to play it again. You did not. I did. Oh, you did? I did want to play it again, but I'll admit, five players, when we played this, woo, downtime. Too much. Way no. too many. The The downtime is really bad because the player interaction, I think we decided was pretty much about zero. Yeah. Uh, because really, on your turn, and after you're done, you can't plan ahead because right. it's all dependent on the dice that roll, the what you can Because you get. pick up all your cards again. Yeah, you might might maybe decide I want to try to go after that god, but when there was five players, all of the rest of us were just basically talking while somebody was rolling dice and taking their turn. And if you're new to the game, you're trying to read all these cards. There's a bunch of cards in the middle of the table, and you're trying to decide, do I play this card first, this card second? 
think the sweet spot's maybe what three or four players, probably from that standpoint. And I mean, and they're the like we said, the game ends after nine's round unless somebody buys Azathoth. Azathoth, Azathoth. Yeah, he's the most expensive there. If you can buy him, the the game ends immediately, and then you just count up victory points of all those that that have been played. Yeah, I mean, the artwork is gorgeous with these cards. So if you want to sit there and just gaze in the artwork, <laughs> you can do that. Yeah, the, the cards are really nice. And like I said, we did ding the the rule book, and only because I had to call support at uh, Passport Games, which happened to be Chaz Marler of Paradise Paradise. He works at uh, at Passport Games. And I said, Chaz, help me with these rules. He went, yeah, I had some problems with them too. So thank you, Chaz, for helping us uh, get through it. So Tony, what do you think? Is this something that you would keep on your shelf? I have the original Kingsport Festival. I'll admit, haven't played it, but I read the rules prior to playing this. I think I would keep that one on my shelf over the card game. Mm -hmm. It's supposed to be quick. It's supposed to be easy. No interaction. Probably not. I totally get that. I think I would only probably want to play this game again if it's maybe four maybe pushing. I think three player uh, would be good. It's one of those games. It's a Cthulhu game. My family likes it. I'm sure Vanessa will like it. So... I may keep it around, but it's one of those things that our group, they really didn't want to play again. But I do. I do want to play it again. I think once I learn all the cards again, I think it will be a lot faster and a lot more streamlined, and the game will go a lot quicker. So I think that's very important to point out here. Know the cards, and you'll be okay. Five-minute initiative is complete. So, Tony, it was a big shipment week for me. If you look over here to the on this table, you see all those games I got from Cool Mini Not, like Arcadia Quest and Rum and Bones? Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a lot of little miniatures in that game. And the, the, the problem is, though, is the inserts in there aren't that great. They're really tough to get all the miniatures back in. They cram a lot of stuff in there. That's why I'm glad that a company like The Broken Token exists for games that that are kind of hard to manage and they present these organizers to us that make it easy to store the games and set up the games and take them down. So what you're telling me is, Greg, get busy designing the next series of inserts for all those Simon games that are coming out, like for Mass Mora or for Arcadia Quest Inferno. Yeah, exactly. Like he did for the one for Blood Rage. Great insert from them. Makes a setup a breeze. So go check them out at thebrokentoken.com. As we continue our episode looking at historical games, Academy Games has yet another game that was extremely popular on Kickstarter. And when it came out last year, a lot of people really enjoyed it. And that's Mari Nostrum Empires. All right. Is there any way, because I'm going to mess up Mari Nostrum as I talk about it. For everybody I've heard say it says Nostrum, and I've been saying Nostrum. Either way. Anyway, it's talking about the Mediterranean Sea. How about that? Uh, That works for me. Executive summary. Boom! Mind blown. <laughs> That's it! Reviews over, people. Go buy this wow. game. Wow. All right, let's talk you a little You really bit. liked this game, didn't oh, you? Oh, my heavens. Yes. If I could go and steal it off your shelves, I would do so right now. Well, you can. It's You can have it any, any time okay. you want. This is ours to share, buddy. All right. So, anyway... Guess what, Marty? What? You don't win by getting the most victory points. No, you do not. Thank you. (laughs) I mean, come on. Just first off, we got this game. And Nate, thank you for teaching it to us. You, you, You get concerned. You're worried. You walk in. There's this big board. There's all these little pieces sitting around. And you're like, oh my gosh, this thing is going to blow my mind away. I'm not going to learn it. No, people. However... 
I did hear somebody say, oh, what is that risk? Um, Afterwards, I'd want to slap him upside the head. Nothing like risk. Nothing like risk. And Marty was all concerned because it's area control. And I'm like, oh, no, not really. It's not area control at all. I mean, you controlling some area. It is area control. No, you It is area control. You start out with your dudes. uh, On a map. All this dudes on a map, and each of you claim a certain area of the Mediterranean Sea, anywhere from like Italy down to Africa and over to the Byzantine Empire, maybe. Yeah. I don't know. And um, so, this is obviously an historical game uh, looking uh, back at a time when we were using camels. Well, they still use camels. Yes, camels are still <laughs> necessary transportation in the yeah. desert. Yes. Anyway, so each of you is basically a different nationality, and the goal is. Goal is actually taking over other people's stuff. Well, okay. One goal to win this game is build the pyramids. If you can build the pyramids, boom, you're the winner. Number two. Why was there pyramids in Italy? Because they wanted them. (laughs) It was good to look out over the top. Okay, okay. All right. Number two, you're the leader on the three individual tracks that represent trade. Yes. Building. Yes. And move. Those are the tracks. If you are the leader on each of those at the end of the round, boom, you're the winner. Another way to win is to be the main man sitting in four of the capitals or legendary cities. That's it. You can win that. And another way to win? That was another way to so win. So there's going to be four ways? There's four. What's count the fourth way? The fourth way is if you can recruit five, count them, five legendary heroes if you get five of them if you are able to purchase their contracts if you are able to pay their salaries you will win there it is your four ways to win sounds easy huh because all you're doing is buying but marty buying is the crux of this game how do you buy stuff how can i get these guys brought to me how can i build these pyramids, what do I have to do? That's what I really like about this game. So they're bought with resources. This game is played over multiple phases. And the first one is just collecting resources. It talked about the camels uh, I mentioned before. Your camels on the board uh, will represent different types of resources that you can get. There's a little icon beside a camel. You'll pick up that uh, particular type of resource. What's neat is, is the resources vary around the board. So what may somebody may have in Italy, they may not have in North Africa. And that's very important because, Tony, what's usually when you play games with resources, you're trying to collect as many of the same as you can and yep. making mm-hmm. sets. Yep. This one's totally different. To buy things, you have to use different types of resources. Every resource that you use must be different in order to be able to buy something. Yeah, you got to have a group of three of different resources or a group of six, depending on what you want to buy, or seven to ten, depending on your legendary heroes, or if you want to get those pyramids you're going to need 12 different sounds easy it's not easy Mm. and that's where the area control comes in right because if you want to be able to get those resources that are not local to your area well then you're going to need to develop some military and go out across the seas and invade other countries that's right but before you go invade at the beginning the first thing in the first phase is trade Stop. stop this was my favorite part oh, of the so cool. entire so game cool. when i read the rules about this i thought the tra- i don't understand the the whole trade why would anybody even want to trade when you had the realization that is there's a lot of people that has resources that you don't have 
and you need to have unique resources, that's why you want to trade. The person who is ahead of the trade track, which is another thing I like is the head of these tracks. If you're the top of the trade track, you decide how many items are going to be traded that round. And you have these tokens that mm -hmm. you can use to present. It's either from zero to, I think it's five. And you just, let's say it's three. You flip over and say, we're going to trade three resources. So what everybody does is put three resources out in front of them. Starting with the leader, they just reach over and grab a resource. No, no, no. The leader says who starts the trade. That was what's neat about the track is whoever is the leader in there says, you go. Yeah, not typically I did because <laughs> I was I was a leader a lot of the time. But you, somebody takes a resource from you, you take from somebody else till all the resources are gone. That whole phase I thought was so cool because there was a lot of strategy behind yeah. it because I was this close. My fingers are really close together from winning the game because I was getting ready to buy my fifth legendary hero and people knew that I needed to have enough different resources to pull it off. And you guys denied me the ability to do that with the trade phase. That's right. By looking on the map, seeing where your camels were to be able to do that. That was so cool. And then as you're trading, you're sitting there thinking, well, I need three of different ones. So I better go get this or you can do it in coin. You can buy gold coin. And if you have three coins or seven coins to 10 coins or 12 to get the stinking pyramid, you can do it with the coin. So you got to also watch that because whatever the trade leader says, you've got to put it out there and everybody has to trade. Now, if there's an, un, whoever is at the unequal end, whoever gets shafted, the person who got the extra, well, guess what? That person who got the extra may pick from whatever he has out front or from behind the screen to give someone. Yeah, all resources really are cool. hidden during the game. And then right after that, you go to build. So build. Who, who's ever at the head of that track decides who's going to get to build first. And building can be anywhere from building buildings, camels, military units, legendary cities, or actually claiming the gods. So whoever controlled that was also very important too because they can make sure that somebody doesn't grab something before they want, uh, before they want it. That's right. Before, like if you knew that you wanted to get a legendary god or something, you better go first. Or if you're like on my track, the military side of it, you may want to see how they're going to build up their defenses. So, hey, you go ahead and build first. Let me see what you're going to do. See what kind of boats you're going to put out or Tristine's. Anyway, that's out there. Or... If you didn't get enough, if you build these little tents, it doubled the production of your camels. Or if you're not getting enough money in, you can put a temple out there and it doubles the amount of money you mm -hmm. get. And then there's this really neat aspect on these cities. We went back to resources. There were very legendary resources that if you controlled certain cities, you would get those as well. And they were special. So you, no one knew what you were getting. Well, and then the legendary resources were all unique. So you yeah. were guaranteed to have something different. But then after that, well, then it's time to fight. And well, then the person yeah. who's the head of the uh, the military is going to decide who's going to move in battle first. And if you move into a region where there's somebody there, you're going to fight. Now, you got to move your boats first. And if you yes. move your boat into someone else, you can say, oh, I don't want to fight you. And you move on. And then you can then move your legionnaires or whatever mm -hmm. into the other region. And then if there is someone there, then yes, if you fight. If no one's there, then your legionnaire may pillage a resource or they may try to take over your control point, or they may come in and just sit in your city. Fighting is interesting. Why don't you oh. explain? This was kind of different, the, the math behind it. Well, you divide by five. You roll a bunch of dice. <laughs> you Based on the number of people you got, you're, you divide it by five, and whatever the number is, that's how many units hits. you hit yeah. you move. If you have a fortress in the land, it adds a plus five. That divided by five was the interesting thing. So yeah, you roll up a bunch of dice, and then divided by five, rounded down, mm -hmm. is the number of hits that you make. And uh, both of you do that, 
that and, and whoever's left standing will may possibly get that area. And then there's a shift uh, balance. If you knock somebody out, then you could eventually take over and control that area. And if you do, uh, you can take the resources and stuff. So there, there's all that stuff there. But again, it's was pretty straightforward and easy to learn. And then after that, you look at each of those tracks and whoever's highest on those tracks, as you as you trade resources and build and move and battle, you have these tokens on these tracks that are constantly moving up and down on how well you did. At the end of the round, a new leader will be determined for each track, and then you start again. Yeah. And again, you're playing to whichever one of these four victory conditions happens first. Right. Now, you're sitting there thinking, well, how am I going to track these people? I mean, this is a hard map. No, people count the plastic on the board. Or the if you didn't get the Kickstarter edition with, but you can order them. You can order the little city tokens and things like oh, that. The, yeah, the you go, go ahead, just go ahead and do it. I want the big map. The big map. I oh, want that. You see that huge map. Oh, oh it's beautiful. Yeah, it's great. The thing is, though, this is an air control map, uh, air control game. I am not an aggressive person, so I did get stuck in that situation. It's like I just want to total everybody leave me alone. I had somebody sitting beside of me say, "Hey, we're gonna be cool. We'll be yeah. cool." And then he comes in and he attacks me. And then I fall into the trap of like, well, I'm going to attack you back. And meanwhile, we're doing that to each other. And like the, somebody else is like, well, I, swoop you in. Guys are this, I swoop in and I'm just going to win this game. And that's where I fall victim to games like this. I understand that. But you got to, that's the diplomacy of it. Now, I will say this. The gentleman who was up next to me, he could turtle. And I knew he was trying to count resources, but there was nothing I could do. He had the the uh, legendary hero that gave him plus five, plus his bonus as that um, the grease he got plus two for defense. That was plus seven. I was going to lose a guy regardless because mm-hmm. I was Caesar. My job was to go attack people, and I was pretty freaking aggressive. You were, but you screwed me over, sir. How you bought Spartacus? Spartacus legionnaires only cost one. Yes, and that could help me. Build up my freaking army so I could go out and conquer the world. And I was ready. I was only, I had three cities in control. I needed a fourth to win. Mm-hmm. And they had left a territory undefended. And I knew it could go in there, but I knew I had to win control points. But I found out later in talking to someone, you don't have to have the control point to control the city. All you got to do is have someone sitting on it and you still win. I said, really? So what's this have to do with the title of this episode, by the way? Because one of the gentlemen we were playing with, to remain nameless, Mark Kale, did something. What did he do? And by the way, the title of this episode is, What Have You Done? We saw where Nate was going to win. And the only way that we could have prevented him is to let my armies trounce across the Mediterranean and ransack his villages. I wasn't going to win. And he breaks, he attacks all my boats. What have you done? <laughs> Why did you do that? Nate is right there. He is one legendary hero away from winning this game. And Nate wins everything. <laughs> he does. And it was smart because remember I told you about uh, there's a person who leads in building gets to decide who's going to go first. He knew that Mark could potentially take the fifth leader and win the game. Nate says, oh, I'm in control of build. I'm going to go first. Fifth one bought, I win game, good game. And I have the legendary hero that says, I don't have to wait till the end of the round to win. Oh, that's right. I forgot. He had, he had that one too. Yep. That's why it's named what it is. I'm like, what have you done to us? You killed my military strength where I was going to mess with Nate, or I might have won. You might have won if you had, had a couple more turns because you could have easily, I left my stuff unguarded as I rebuilt my city. It was a close game. So here we are. Mari Nostrum 
is a game that I didn't think that I would really care for because of the area control. But I'm telling you right now, the the phases and the leadership and how they do and how the resources all have to be unique. For some reason, there's something about the resources and the trading that I really just like. Again, the whole moving and military and attacking is not necessarily up my alley, but I still really enjoyed it. I enjoyed it from the standpoint of that I had multiple ways to win. There was multiple strategies going on. I enjoyed that. I like the control points. I like the pillaging. You could be aggressive if you can. I like the fact that you got to go for the legendary heroes at certain times to help you. Would I play this again? Every freaking time. Wow, you really liked it. I enjoyed this game a whole lot. I really like just, I felt it was very balanced. Yep. The game plays three to five people, but with the expansion, you can play six. And the Kickstarter did have all these really cool things with the plastic buildings and the maps, but you don't need it. You can use the, the cardboard chits that, can, that that come with it. I'm telling you, with this style of game, this is the one I would bring to the table. Again, I love the historical aspect. You can find out about this region by reading some of the stuff in the rule book and the stuff that was going on. Stand on my, on my shelf, Tony. Well, it won't stay long if I ever want to borrow it. All right, just go ahead, set it up right now. Go ahead, Guadalcanal, Mari Nostrum. I don't care, set something up. You you really enjoyed this. Oh, man, I love these games. I really hate that we've waited this long to finally do an historical series. And I tell you what, if you want to go check out some historical games, Academy Games is the place you want to go to. I'm looking at their list here of all the stuff. I mean, their Conflict of Heroes series, like Awakening the Bear and Storms of Steel. And then they have those the, the Birth of America in Europe series, which 1812, the Invasion of Canada, 1754, the French and Indian War, so there's other war games that I'm really anxious to try. Mm-hmm. Oh, I can't wait to try some of those. And then, you know, Mari Nostrum sitting there in, in all, of, all of its glory. And we got an expansion, the Atlas expansion, that we still need to try for Mari oh, Nostrum. Good. Go ahead. Let's roll it out right now. Oh, <laughs> good night, everybody. We appreciate it. No, a quick other business. I still got to do some more print and play Stop Thief. They have added levels to it because, as they stated, as Robin... Robin Justin said, hey, technology has changed a little bit since 1979. We have flexible straws now. Yes, we do. And the fact that we don't have little digital like Mattel quarterbacking. I miss digital quarterback. Mattel football. Mattel football. And then Mattel football too, where you could pass it. And then you have basketball. <laughs> I stunk at that one. And then um, they baseball. They had a baseball, yeah. Baseball. Beep, 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 beep. Yeah, those sounds Yeah, were they awful. sounded exactly like they, that. No, they did. I can imitate anything. I'm like a freaking mocking jay. No, mocking, mocking bird. bird yeah. The jay was the movie. So anyway, yeah, they're going to have four levels. There's going to be standard. There's going to be intermediate. There's going to be advanced. And of course, the classic. What's neat is on the higher levels, I was concerned about replayability when they said, you know, mm-hmm. they're going to do this. Advanced, the crook has various multiple things that could, um, he can, you know, double back on you. He doesn't have to go through the doors. So that's going to add a lot to it. It's going to, you know, I'll say, this will be a great family game. Right. I think with these higher levels, it may even move it into not a hardcore gamer, but more of a, uh, you know, Donna and I will enjoy playing this without having to worry about, oh, Rebecca's, you know, 14 years old and she'll enjoy playing it as well. So I'm looking forward to it. I'm not really sure when the Kickstarter happens, mm-hmm. but I know they've come a long way because they sent us the map. Yeah, it looks pretty good, doesn't it? It does. I like the the graphics. I mean, it doesn't look at old chintzy stuff from no. the 
The art assets look really good for this game. Yeah. Wait, till you, wait till you all see uh, the game board. Speaking of Kickstarter, uh, right now on Kickstarter is an expansion to a game that we gave a squirrely to last year. Yes. The Blindside Award of last year we gave to Champions of Midgard, mm-hmm. and they are now in the process of having two expansions coming out for it, two different types of expansions where uh, one of them adds a new sideboard, and you've got new warriors that are going to come into play. Some There's some new mechanics, some new resources, some secondary leader abilities. It looks really good. Now, the best thing is they go up a player level. Now you can go yes. five players. And I think that there is reason enough to go investigate it. If you enjoy playing Champions of Midgard and you're like, man, I just wish this would play one more player, there you go. Five players, Champions of Midgard. Oh, they added archers and bows, yep. and that was kind of neat. And I think from what they uh, understand with the like the extra resource management and everything, it's kind of a little bit more meatier because we, you know, it's very much an entry level kind of uh, worker placement game. So having something a little bit more, some more decisions and stuff, I think would be better too. I mean, for me, I think you know, I'm gonna have to really invest because there's gonna be so many other kickstarts. Why, Marty? Why does everything come out now? I mean, we got Simon coming out with Rising Sun. Yep. You know, and then we've got, oh, Thunderstone Quest was announced by AEG. Yep, yep. I think that's uh, going to be in a week or so. And we liked Thunderstone. I'm anxious to see what they're going to be doing with that, too. I know. Oh, just because, uh, you know, I have the advance. I've never played it. <laughs> Once again, another game that sits on the shelf, knowing it needs to be played. But I'm just like, okay, fine, whatever. But I did spend some of my, my game money. Oh, what'd you get? I bought... I was just cruising through the Kickstarters, you sure. know, I'm, I'm thinking, oh, what's out there? What's that? Something caught my eye because somebody's been on me about this Lord of the Rings RPG thing that we're going to do. All right. By the way, I've been reading the book. Really? Um, yes. I'm, I'm, I'm excited now. So in April, I backed this project called the 52, do- 52 card. D- Hold on. Let me try that again. It's basically a dungeon deck builder. <laughs> Okay, a dungeon. So, so deck you roll builder. a d twenty and you place a and you put a card down and it orient it and it builds the dungeon for you. Huh. It takes all your brain work out of it. It's going to do it for you. So there's fifty two cards. So you always have a different type of dungeon. They've released one is the maze or the dungeons. They have some other things that they can do with it. And I said, you know, that'll be kind of neat. It'll add the variability. So as you begin to do your RPGs, if you're like, ah, how do I want to draw this out or how do I want to you know have it laid out for everybody? I thought, hey, why not fifteen dollars? I can't go too wrong. If they stiff me $15, it's not like I've ordered dice that I've never gotten. All right, I don't want to talk about it. Okay. What do you want to talk about? Uh, I'm still <laughs> But there's not a lot of dungeons in Lord of the Rings. I'm sorry. It could be a forest then. <laughs> well, it could be a village. I fine. Got, I guess you got the Mines of Moria that we can keep doing over and over again. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Speaking of uh, Kickstarter, which we've been speaking of the past couple of times. So yeah, Tony and I have been playing this little game called Star Wars Destiny. Just a little bit. My concern was, where am I going to put all these dice? Well, Zen Bins. Uh, who you may know who has made some uh, who has made some storage solutions for Dice Masters has now expanded their line to include Destiny. And they have a Kickstarter going on right now where they're built these uh, little cases for basically carrying tournament decks in. So it holds 18 to 20 dice, uh, some sleeved cards, and some tokens. And it has a little hidden compartment so that you can hide your dice when you go in because you're not supposed to see what other people have. It has a little cover on it. Uh, that's going on right now. It's a nice little way to carry some uh, your dice and cards around. They sent me a prototype. It works uh, really well. And the, the prototype's nice and the final production's going to be even better. So if you're looking for some way to carry all your cards and dice around, you might want to go check out the Zen Benz Kickstarter going on right now. Speaking 
no destiny. We're yes. in a tournament right now. Yes, we are. And who is sitting across from me that is two and zero right now? That's right. Thank you for the luck of the dice. <laughs> that's right. We have an asterisk on the first game, but that's okay. The second game, the poor master Jamie could not roll a single thing to save his freaking life. I felt so bad for him. I was just like, dude, really? Because I mean, every time he would blank. Blank. It's the man was shooting blanks. <laughs> I am one and one in this tournament. Just to give you a heads up, if you win one more, you will be in the championship. All right, then. Well, we'll see. I got to go against Tony Topper. You got to go against Tony Topper from uh, Secret Cabana. I already know the other game has been played. If you win, you'll be facing the Matt Evans of Board Game Replay in the championship game. So are you telling me my 10 booster packs that I've only bought? <laughs> and two starters. And two starters might be. It, it, that just, people, I'm, I'm not trying to brag, but it just goes to show you how this game is with the dice. It's not like you can go out and invest a fortune in it. You can buy three booster boxes if you would like. But, you know, you can still have a lot of fun with this. Yeah, you can, and and we're doing that, and we're we're playing all online, right? So we're yeah. we're skyping and playing. It's just it's just good fun. But I just think it's really funny that everybody else has bought two and three booster boxes, and here you are with two starters and ten boosters, two and oh. Two and oh. It's, it's it's luck. It's the way it goes. And it's I didn't skill. Even, it's all skill. No, no, it's not. I'll be the first to say that. I mean, it, it just happens that way. Now I I'll admit I've got a prototype in another prototype. I'm trying out Cosmic Run. You guys may know Biblios. And the designer, uh, Steve Finn, he sent me Cosmic uh, Run. He rapid fire. It's a dice and mark game. I love these things. It's Roll and right. Roll and right. That's it. Marty and I got to play it tonight. It's a cute little game. It's a fun little game. It's a great way to introduce people to Roll and Right games. He's going to be bringing that out on Kickstarter. Keep your eye open for that. It's you're trying to. It's a race to three planets while these mines are being shot at you by aliens, and you've got special moves and capability. I love my Roll and Right games. It's actually a real cute little game. Like you said, you're going to roll a handful of dice, and there's three different colors, and and uh, basically you have different numbers of pips on each ones with different colors, and you can say, I'm going to take that dice and move this color ship up that many spaces over the course of the game there's going to be some random was it asteroids or what comes in mines mines Mines. that come in and and block your path as you try to move up the page Uh, there's some special icons that you can uh, use that can make you jump over mines or maybe move diagonally because typically you can only move orthogonally that was a big word orthogonally Orthogonally. yeah well i've had the well again i kind of use a lot for playing these war games and a defensive missile that lets you shoot because there is the attack element in this thing so guess what score the most victory points you're the winner yeah plain and simple again these roll and write games seems to be all the all the rage right now and this is a a different version it's kind of like the one i got to play over the birthday weekend uh rodney taught us avenues oh and i forgot to mention knock mall i brought knock mall over yeah knock mall's good knock mall's good that was fun yeah so i get wow a lot of roll and writes going on now so yeah that's really cool cosmic run last but not least we got a um Code for potion explosion for the iPad. Mm-hmm. Loving it. Really? It's good? Oh, yeah. Donna and I pass and play. She loves it. She loved the you know potion explosion game. Mm-hmm. And she's loving this. And it, we were having a blast with it. It's, it's very easy. Great implementation. I like how the marbles move and how you can see things. What's really cool is that when you take the marble off, 
You don't cause an explosion and then they fall out of the thing. You have to chase them across your floor here. Yeah, on an app, that would be bad if you had to do that. Yeah, that would be because then, yeah. But anyway, so yeah, we're loving the potion explosion. So if you get an opportunity, because a lot of things have been going on sale recently. Yeah, uh, it looks like uh, the Asmodee Digital is kind of, I guess, two for two in their last two because I thought Mysterium was done really well. Now Potion Explosion. Yeah, and um, then I was seeing some other games. I, I want to pick up um, Baseball 2045 and then we can try that one out as well. Which I'm surprised we still have never played. Well, that's because there's not like there's a few other games. And besides, we need to get Martin Nostrum back at the table. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, I guess with that in mind, I guess we need to stop so we can pull Mari Nostrum or our Conflict of Heroes out and play again. That's exactly right. Because you know what I'm going to do to you? What? I'm going to keep rolling dice. And I'm going to keep taking the names. Thanks for listening, everybody. If you enjoyed this episode, we would love a review over on iTunes. We've been getting some really good reviews lately. We appreciate those that are taking the time to go out there and do that for us. And if you want to interact with us, you can do so on social media, on Twitter, at Dyson Names. Instagram, Dyson Names. You can join our BGG Guild, 1589. You can like us on Facebook. Come talk to us. Have some fun. All right. Best thing about Conflict of Heroes, Marty's? Yes. Is you can say, I'm going to move this chit here, this chit there that shit there I've got shit everywhere <laughs> Marty every day I go what? out to, what every day I go out to fun again just to see what they're getting in stock and just recently they got in Honshu in yes from Renegade Games I didn't know that was out I know and it's in stock at fun again be sure to check that out. Let me explain this site to you. I don't know if you're aware of this, but they have things they've just gotten in, the new stuff. Uh-huh. And then down in the bottom left, there's the restock. So between the two of them, you may want to check it out. Like, oh, I don't know, Fuji Flush just got back in stock. Mm-hmm. And I keep checking restock. Not that I need them, but for Star Wars Destiny. <laughs> you might as well be waiting because from what I've heard, that's not coming out until Spirit of Rebellion comes out, which you'll also be able to pre-order from Fun Again Games. Well, I'll just wait for Spirit of Rebellion, get me another starter, maybe one or two booster decks, and take this tournament to the bank, baby. If you're interested in some of the recent releases because things seem to keep coming, be sure to check it out at funagain.com. Funagain.com.